Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. One day in the fall of 2001, as I was sitting in my roommate's recliner, I asked myself the question, what am I doing with my life? A little over three years earlier, I had dropped out of my role as a youth leader with an associate pastor's license in a certain church body, and I dropped out over some doctrinal issues, or doctrinal confusion, I guess you could say. And almost three years from that point, I had been very active in my newfound faith as a Lutheran, as I waited tables for money. During that time, I continually flirted with the idea of going back into the ministry, but the idea of seminary was very daunting. But on that particular fall day, after I had finished reading some scripture, with the question of my life's direction heavy on my mind, I called the seminary in Fort Wayne that my pastor had told me about. And the phone answered with an automated answering service and the first words I heard in an extremely deep radio announcer type of voice were, was, actually it was part of the scripture lesson for today. The recorded message from the man with the very deep voice said, where did I write this down? <laughs> he said, and Jesus said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And then after a few words about how Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne fits into this message, there was another voice that told me, for admissions, press three. <laughs> or whatever number it happened to be back in 2001. By God's grace, as long as I have my mind, I will not forget that phone call or the voice reading the passage from Luke to me. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Now this verse has remained true ever since Jesus first said those words to the 72 in our gospel. And as the district presidents of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod look out at the landscape of our congregations in the United States of America, this statement seems true and daunting, numbers-wise, that is. With the baby boomer generation going into retirement and lower counts of men going to the seminary, it is hard to see how things are going to pan out. The harvest is indeed plentiful, and the laborers, well, they seem fewer every year. Yet, we also know, and are comforted by our scripture today, that in the end, it is the Lord who provides. And it is the Lord who has his church under his care. And even the above text calls us to see this situation it says, recognize it, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few, 
But I find it comforting that he doesn't have us come up with a solution. He doesn't say, so what are you going to do about it? No. He has us return to him. He says, therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send. It is he who sends out his pastors, and it is he who truly gleans the harvest. In today's gospel lesson, Jesus is getting ready to send out 72 seminarians on what, on a sort of vicarage or in mainline college terms, he's sending them out on an internship. They are to take what they have learned from Jesus and they are to go into every town and place where Jesus is about to go. And in those towns they were to heal the sick and they were to say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. In other words, they were to care for the physical needs of the people and then proclaim the coming of Jesus to those same people. Now this, it continues to be the work of the church. We care for the person and the community and then we share and proclaim the gospel. That is the hope that we have within us. The pastor in particular is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ publicly as its members proclaim him privately in their various vocations. It's interesting though that is, what the voice message from the seminary left out when they read that verse. The very next thing that Jesus says that the voice on the answering machine didn't say is, is um, well, the very next thing would seem to be a deterrent to the admissions office. Right after Jesus says to pray that the Lord of Harvest would send laborers into the harvest, he says this, Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Think about that for a second. Wolves eat unprotected lambs. Lambs should run and hide from wolves. If lambs are smart, they should stay close to the rest of the herd and hunker down when they see danger arise, especially if that danger is a pack of wolves. To those, lamb, to those wolves, the lambs are dinner. The lambs left alone, they are defenseless to the abuse of a wolf pack. Yet there's a dynamic in our text that changes the reality of the situation upside down, turns it on its head. You see, these lambs, they're not aimless. They have not lost their way. No, these lambs are sent by the good shepherd. They are actually sent so that the wolves, who would on their own destroy their lamb, the lambs, they are sent so that these wolves might become lambs themselves. And it is funny when you think about it. The wolves of, their, of this world show in their reactions. 
the, let me say that again. The wolves of this world show in their reactions that they have always been scared to death of those who recognize themselves as Jesus' little lamb. Look at how the world is currently raging over the things that the church holds dear. Things like the infant in the mother's womb. Things like the dignity of the body that God has given to each person. Things like the union between a man and a woman through which God still creates children that he died on the cross to save. Right now, the wolves are raging and they see Jesus' little lambs as the biggest threat. The lambs are not sent out with weapons to battle these wolves. No, just as Jesus sent the 72, pastors are sent into each town and they are to enter homes and communities with this word, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Notice the message is said to all. Only some receive it. Moreover, we are to do good to these wolves. Serving them in their bodily needs through our various vocations. And through the church together as a whole also. We are to serve. And we are to proclaim to these wolves through our presence as a church that the kingdom of God has come near to you. And through our actions of peace, we show the wolves that with the presence of the church in their community, Jesus, God's only begotten Son, is coming to save them. We must remember that before he saved, before he saved us, we were once wolves, we were hell-bent on feeding our own flesh by using and abusing whoever we could. But Jesus has come, and he has made us little lambs, granted lambs that are not like other lambs, for we are not afraid. We recognize that no matter where we go, no wolf or pack of wolves are bigger or stronger than the one who died for our sin and rose again to give us new life. No wolf is more fierce than our good shepherd who feeds us with his own life sacrifice. We are cared for by someone who is greater than all the world, even if all the world rises up against us with threats and even actions. And Jesus let the 72 that some may reject. He said, whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, Jesus said, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. When the pastor's proclamation of Jesus is rejected, it should be noted, 
Jesus still came to that person that rejected it. He came to them through the word of peace that was spoken to them. This is also true when every Christian speaks within their vocation to friends, family, co-workers. Jesus accompanies his word. And he accompanies his word. And the person is not rejecting you or the pastor. The person is actually rejecting Jesus whose body you were made a part of in baptism and kept in within the Lord's Supper. And you know what? We mourn for those wolves, but we are not afraid of their threats for we still have the one who set us free. Jesus also lets us know the doom of the wolves who rise up to destroy his gospel, who rise up to, hold, to destroy his lambs who hold to it. He does this when he lists his woes on the unrepentant cities. Then he reassures his little lambs. But the one who hears you hears me. The one who rejects you rejects me. And the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. As the church right now, you may be scared as you see the wolves rage, as you see them wanting the choice to destroy the children in the room and making threats. I know maybe some of you have seen it on some doors, steps of churches. Um, saying if Roe isn't safe, you're not safe. And they're doing this all over, uh, they do this over the call, they do it over and against the call that God would have us care for both the child in the womb and to care for the real life needs of the mother who carries the child. I also want you to know that the church is always for uh, the woman who had committed an abortion. We desire to heal her, too, with the word of forgiveness. It may be scary when we see the nuclear family described as a trap, a trap of the patriarchy that one must free themselves from. It may be scary when you hear of Christians being persecuted, but Jesus reminds us to find true security in the one who will one day curb all rebellion and separate it from all who have received the peace of the Lamb. The peace that he made possible by the blood of his cross. Those who receive the good shepherd who laid down his life for us they will rise with the Good Shepherd to everlasting life. And those who fought against him, Jesus said, will be brought down to Hades. That's a tough thing to think about. And we pray for the repentance and the reception of the gospel for all. Thankfully, our lesson today, it ends on a very happy note. For the, vicarage, uh, for the vicarage of the 72, it ended with great joy.
And this time they did not experience much opposition from the wolves that they one day would experience in full force when the Holy Roman Empire, not the Holy Roman, when the Roman Empire rose up against all of Jesus' little lambs. But for now, after their vicarage, the 72 returned with great joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subjected to us in your name. I just see the smiles on their faces. And Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subjected to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Jesus wants his little lambs to remember where their identity always is, no matter their successes or their perceived failures. Their joy is in the fact that their Savior has written their names in his book. In another place in scripture it says that our names are written on his hand. Our joy is in in whose we are and not our real or perceived victories in this life. Our joy is in whose we are. We are only to go where our good shepherd sends us. As a pastor who was prepared at the seminary to go out into the harvest, I am thankful for every place that I was sent. In fact, my family came to me as a result of me being sent to a place that I actually didn't want to go to. (laughs) But at the Lord's bidding, I went, and I have been blessed. And no matter where the Lord puts any of us in our various vocation, because the book of Acts reminds us that it is the Lord who puts you where and when you live. It is important to remember that your number one role, no matter where you are, is in being Jesus, little lamb. And no wolf that you encounter is bigger than your good shepherd. In fact, knowing Jesus as your good shepherd, you are not afraid of the wolves in this world. But rather, you desire out of love for those wolves that they would become your brother, your sister with you. Having the same, that they would have the same hope of eternal life that you have. No, we are not afraid. But in all circumstances, we remember that we are blessed and we rejoice that our names are written in heaven. And now may the peace that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until he returns for you. Amen.